Welcome back to another episode of the Preble Hall Naval History Podcast. I'm Claude Barabee, director of the U.S. Naval Academy Museum. Our guest today is a 2011 grad of the U.S. Naval Academy, Kristen Kronick, who was a surface warfare officer, and then she has transitioned to civilian life and has become an artist. And the reason why I've asked Kristen to come on to this episode and this show about naval history is because I think there's a real relevance to naval history and what she's done. Uh, a couple of years ago, Kristen contacted me out of the blue. I did not teach her. I did not know her. And she had told me, he said, do you know anywhere in Annapolis, any galleries where I could display my art? So I asked her to shoot me a few images and I'd see what I could do to help. And when I saw them, I, as museum director, I have to know what to acquire for the museum or what to loan or what to display. And immediately I recognized the value historically of what Kristen was doing. Uh, In the end, there were about 20 images that were paintings that are now on display at the U.S. Naval Academy Museum on the second deck. And I would ask that the listeners, if you're not using or listening to this podcast, working out or in the car, if you're at home, open up your or turn on your computer and go to usna.edu backslash museum. Go to our 3D tour and go to the second deck. And you can sort of follow along with some of the paintings uh, they certainly aren't as vibrant on the 3D tour as you would see in person, but it really gives you a sense of what we're going to be talking about today. So, Kristen, welcome to Preble Hall, and welcome back to the Naval Academy after a long absence. Thank you for having me. Uh, where'd you serve on in the Navy? You were a surface warfare officer for five years? Um, six, well, yeah, basically five years. I was a SWO on the USS Winston S. Churchill for two and a half years. And then um, I went with Desron 40 and deployed on the USNS Comfort, which was a pretty cool tour. And then I had transferred to engineering duty, and I had my shore, duty, my shore tour at Sarmac in Mayport. And then I ended up deciding to get out after that. Now, I, I want to put up front that the reason why I thought this collection was historically significant is there's no body of artwork in our collection or any that I know of by a former grad about midshipman life. And it really captures uh, so many uh, parts of your four years here. And I would like to just start with, why did you shift from being a Navy officer to the artwork? I mean, how how tough was it? I mean, what did you have to do? Um, It was my initial plan to stay in for a career. And I... I always had painting. It was something I always found time for, even if there are seasons where it was less. Certainly times at sea, times at the academy were much sparser, but it was still always there and always made it a priority. But I I knew one day I wanted to come back and capture this story, mostly because of the influence of photographs taken by Pete Souza of Plebe Summer. I discovered them before I I was joining and this was before social media is what it is today where you see so much intimacy within an institution like the academy there this was really the only images i had ever seen of the reality of plebe summer and they helped me prepare i that was my only really understanding of the military and so i was grateful for them and in response i knew one day i'd want to come back and tell the story from this perspective um because there's nuance in there and but they don't they don't teach color theory at Annapolis and so it was just one of those things I knew I wanted I knew I was in the right place here 
and I knew that art could always come later, that, but it didn't go the other way around. And so I, I just always made it a priority to learn what I could. Um, a lot of that was through honest conversations with artists. I, I still remember meeting a few while I was at the academy that, you know, we only probably had a 20-minute conversation, but it, it impacted me in, for the positives and empowered me to keep going. Um, and so I, I studied art in the nooks and crannies of my career and... I had mentioned that I had planned on staying in. At the time, I, I was doing a pretty good job of painting at night and Navy during the day, and I was married, and you know, it was a good, a good symbiotic rhythm that we had um, with my husband, and then, but then we had a baby. And when she came, everything changed. And it was, it was in that moment I realized that something had to go, and it obviously wasn't going to be motherhood, and I, I would at this point, didn't want it to be art. And I knew for me to do what I wanted to do to the extent to which I wanted to do it, I had to, to drop one. And so that's when we made the decision that I would get out and um, pursue this work and this dream that I had with a bit more intention and clarity. And now you're doing this full time. I am. And, and being a full time working artist means that I do a lot of things. It's still art. It, you know, it's still unpredictable. Um, and so that's that's been a learning curve. I've been doing this for four years now. I don't bring in like, a, you know, it's I definitely need the stability of my husband, which I'm very grateful for. But um, I, I have learned to piece together different aspects. Um, and for me, my goal is always to just paint and tell a story and if I get to use my hands then I'm happy so throughout the year it all it all adds up at the end and it works what artists or schools influenced you oh goodness I growing up was always fond of the impressionist and I am unapologetic about that I just like them and I especially enjoyed the alla prima painters um, which means wet into wet painting and it's uh it's a more modernist take on some classical approaches it's when it's when you basically finish a painting in one sitting or a couple but you don't traditional oil painting is built up layers over time it's what a lot of the portraits in here are done in and they're it's beautiful i just prefer the immediacy of wet into wet painting and it's a different way and so early on i i i mean to list off the painters that have inspired me would take all day. Um, but John Singer Sargent's a classical painter that I, I absolutely adore. Um, there's contemporary painters that through their generosity of taking time to talk to me or sharing their work online, I was able to glean from. And then I had my staff tour when we weren't at sea. It was a, it was a better nine to five schedule. And so I was able to meet a local artist that I really valued. And so for about a year, I kept up this cadence of painting with him in his studio for three hours, one night a week, and then doing the same thing in my own studio. So every week I made two paintings and in one sitting. And that was the year where I feel like everything finally came together and I finally like got a hang of the medium and how to do it and was growing in my confidence. And I felt like I was ready now to start. Something yeah. it was interesting when you were speaking to the Midshipman Art Club last night here at the museum, uh, you mentioned the hero's journey uh, yeah. by Joseph Campbell, yeah. and and I, I immediately knew what you were talking about. The mids, I think, hadn't yet learned that. But can you tell us how the the hero's journey influenced the uh, artwork? These twenty sure. pieces that we see here at the museum. Yeah. So, I I found the the midshipman experience 
is fascinating. I'm much more interested in this part than once they get into the fleet. Um, and, and it's because this, this high schooler comes in and then out pops an officer. And that officer is, you know, for me, it was driving ships. And for others, it's flying planes. I mean, it's like what happens in those four years? And, and then I discovered Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and it like, it all made sense. And, and I'm fascinated by the cycle of that adventure and then of rest. Um, and so I started to see like this, the Academy experience plays so perfectly into that. There in, in the hero's journey, there's the protagonist that receives a call to enter the unknown. They cross this threshold, this call to adventure. They cross this threshold, which is very much symbolized by I-Day, where all of a sudden you go from what you know to what you don't know. And then it's this series of trials and tribulations and a pit of despair and guides along the way. And then eventually you come back the other side, a changed person, but ready to tackle the new adventure. And I mean, that's the arc of the Academy. And I, I find it fascinating. Tell us about some of the pieces that you have in this collection and why you chose the subjects that you did. Sure. I'm not a photographer, which means that I don't have the, well, it's, I would say it's a blessing that I have to spend hours with an image. I don't take images in fractions of a second, which means that I have a lot of space to create intention around what I'm capturing. And so as the 20 paintings in the museum to me are the, the it's, it's as much as what you don't see as what you do. And what guided my decisions of what to submit here and what to include had very much to do with the key points of that experience that I thought, like the essence, when you, when you take away everything, what are those, those experiences of, of hardship, of camaraderie, of, of, you know, pure grit and, being honest with yourself about what you need to do to get through this. Um, and so that ended up being what framed it on, on a big picture. Um, and then I, I also tried to incorporate pieces. I, I mean, I use this entire, there's probably 180 paintings total that I've done so far, but 20 are here. And I, I use this as an opportunity to grow as a painter. That's always a goal of mine. And so there's a wide variety of landscape, of still life, of portrait, of military, uh, of a multiple figure composition. Um, I wanted to kind of grasp a variety of that and also speak to the moments that the outside may be aware of because of newspapers and social media. And like, you know, everyone knows the hat toss moment, but they may not know the, the, the moments of solitude that aren't as obvious, but that's really where the work happens. Like, all the all the days that we're counting down to, you know, the, those poor plebes have to know how many days till Christmas break and how many days to graduation. But like those days that you're counting are the ones that matter, not the ones that you're counting down to. Like that's where it happens. And so I wanted to give as much attention to that as I was to the moments that everyone's aware of. Something I didn't realize, and I've and again I've seen I've walked by your artwork every day for I don't know what is it more than a year or so, and I didn't catch the Easter eggs. <laughs> Can you tell us about some of the Easter sure. eggs that, that you might that uh, people and I really encourage you go to sure. the go to the our three D <laughs> tour on the museum's website and you can see these. Um, one one thing I like to play with is repetition and mirroring, and there's two very con like conscious choices 
uh, in the museum, and I'm sure if someone wanted to look, they could probably find more. Um, but the first one is there's a there's a mirror between the first painting accepted, and then about halfway through study hour. Um, they're both done in a chiaroscuro lighting situation where it's extreme darks and extreme lights. Um, they're both of a a figure like in quiet working on you know one's reading an acceptance letter the other one's working on schoolwork presumably um and this this dialogue for one thing the accepted is a a direct tie to the call to adventure where it's it's a choice as much as as much as the naval academy chooses the mid the mid has to choose the academy too and regardless of how you receive your acceptance letter if it's with you know, lots of jubilee and cheering, or if it's anticlimactic, or if it's with a lot of trepidation and mixed feelings, it's it's okay. But everybody has to, at some point, sit with that decision themselves and make it between them and them alone. That you can't you can't come here for anybody else. Um, but and then mirroring that with study hour, which is looking through. This is an image I actually was given to me by my friend Aaron Rosa, who's a photographer and also in my class. Um, and when I saw it, I, it was exactly I needed to paint it, and he graciously shared it with me. And I, that's another point, because the academics here are very rigorous, and it's, again, it's something that you have to do by yourself, and you have to show up for it every single day. And so that's, like, I, I use repetition to bring attention to it um, and to bring it to the importance, and those are definitely moments that are much less visible to the outside. Um, and then another one that I use with mirroring is the oath. Um, I mean, this is one that the military gives us. We, we say the oath at, you know, regular intervals throughout our career. And I think every time we say it, we understand more what it means, what that oath means and, and what, the, what's, what it's asking of us. And I think it's arguably one of the most important parts, if not the important part of, like, of rituals that we have as being officers is to remember what this means. And so I, I think it's... I did it the first day, um, promises, and I'm not sure how much a new plebe understands, but they understand to the best of their ability at that time. Like you, that's the whole point is to go through this four-year journey is to is to grow. Um, and then I included one at the end of at graduation, and I also used it as an opportunity to single out the Marines. Um, the visual of the Marines giving their oath at graduation is such a good visual of what they are. Is like. As a, as a unit, the few, the proud, how it's like they're in black, they stand out against everyone. There's just a few kind of peppered in there. Um, because you can thinking about it, <laughs> and I'm a slow. Um, and so I wanted to also like, elevate the importance of that promise. And so it's t- called Promises One and Promises Two for that reason. And one of the paintings, I didn't realize, it's a still painting, I didn't realize what's the acorn there for? And it wasn't yeah. until you spoke about that last <laughs> night. Tell us about the acorn sure. and, and how you see that in several of your sure. paintings. Sure, sure. Um, so I learned to paint via still life. That was my, when I was in that year of intense learning, um, my professor, my teacher was always setting up a still life because it was from from op- direct observation. I wasn't using a photograph to flatten things. I had to make those decisions myself. And so it was important for me to include still lifes in this, for one, because it is, I think it's a very underappreciated genre. Um, it's a nod to how I learned to paint, which I just had to throw it in there. But also, I learned how much they can tell a story with the objects. And there's, it's, everything is intentional about them. Um, it takes almost just as much time to set one up as it does to paint it, because there's so much thought. And it goes into how it's arranged and how it's balanced. Um, and so one thing I like to do with still lives is include little, little Easter eggs. And so I have an acorn in the first one. There's three still lives in this series. 
and they represent the beginning, the middle, and the end of this particular experience. So the beginning is, is plebe year, plebe summer. The middle is the, the midshipman work in progress. And then the end is right before you graduate, and it's representative of all the officers. And so in the plebe one, um, I needed to balance out the big shapes with something small. And so that acorn is a really nice way to do that. Later on, it's my ring or other, other, other objects like insignia, I think. Um, but I use the acorn in the first one, and then later on, you, the acorn is an oak sprig. And so it signifies the growth of the, the person that's um, encountering this experience. And then also, um, I also do paintings that don't have anything to do with the military, and um, a lot of them are centered around oaks and magnolias, the trees, and I use the tree forms in almost every way. And so it was a nod to that part of me as the artist as well. I think it's common for artists to include a signature like that, and so it just seemed fitting to include. One of the really powerful uh, ones you have that a lot of people have commented on, because you were here in 2011, you were a graduate in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, just before you graduate, it's announced that we got bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a tremendous, um, I don't know, uh, celebration, I guess, yeah. in, in T-Court. That yeah. night, well, T-Court is, uh, it's the uh, area just in front of Bancroft Hall, which is the uh, single dormitory for all the midshipmen, for our listeners. Um, you were there in T-Court that night. Mm-hmm. Tell us about capturing that image immediately, but then also uh, as a painting. Um. Yeah, so I I thought that was an important one to include because a lot of classes were at the academy during a major world event. Um, for me, it happened to be, among other things, that was the most significant. And you know, on a personal note, my class was the middle school age when 9/11 happened, and so we were. That was the imp- impetus for a lot of us to, to want to join the military to begin with. I know for me it was definitely a factor. And so to have that particular event happen um, weeks before we graduated was a really awe-inspiring full-circle moment. And it, a lot of the painting, I mean, that's not the only one that I didn't necessarily plan to paint. I have a sketchbook. It's currently at the Pentagon right now um, of, like, the first envision I had, and I just finished the whole series, and now I just want to make more um, of like what I was going to do. And those were not on it. They were not really things I expected. But as I worked through the paintings, I would get this overwhelming sense that I needed to capture this moment. And so that one in particular, I remember it was like a Friday night, um, and I was like, I told my husband, I'm like, kids are bed. I'm like, I get, I have to paint. I have to get this out. Let me just do this. And um, it was, it was the moment that that it was announced that we got him. I think it was like nine or ten p.m. On a Sunday night, maybe. Like I remember it being on the weekend, and most of us were gathered in the wardroom. I don't remember why, but I think. A lot of us had a sense of what we were about to hear before we heard it, but I don't know why. I don't think that it was even, I don't know how we knew, but in a way we, we almost knew. And as soon as he said it, it was, the, the response was unanimous. Like every company independently left the wardrobe and went to T-Court. And it was a really, I, it was an interesting place to be. Um, it was, yeah, it, it, it was full circle. When you capture, I mean, did you capture it in memory or did you, ca- did you just take a photo of it? And then later you work you work your uh, uh, the, the artwork based on the photo. I I had a photo or a, I think it might have even been a video from my flip phone. Like these were pixelated, like old school. 
I, and I found them years later. And I, I think I may have worked from that. Um, I oftentimes will use an old photo and then I'll, I'll adapt it. Like I'll sit with it for a few, you know, for a couple hours and then I'll, at some point the photo goes away and then I finish the painting. But I think that one was this old video of, of everyone chanting and I could probably find it. I'm sure it's somewhere. <clears throat> there was another one of uh, Herndon, with the Herndon climb, which occurs at the end of plebe year mm-hmm. and all the plebes uh, climb up the, the greased um, obelisk that, that is the Herndon monument. Uh, tell us about how you captured that and your interpretation as an artist. Sure. I knew from the beginning I wanted to get that one. Um, I don't get I haven't, I have not painted every possible moment here. I, I just, I mean, I have a lifetime, so maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there is time. Um, I hope. Um, but that was when I knew from the beginning I wanted to explore. And I had, my dad actually has had t- taken a ton of photos from my, my Herndon, which was a, a special one. We had lost our classmate, Kristen Dickman, a couple of days prior. And so we used her cover to top it off. And at the time, it was the female bucket cover. So it's the only time, and unless they go back to it, will be the only time we use a female cover mm-hmm. on top of Herndon, which was really special. But um, I, had, I, I knew I wanted to capture it. And I, I also knew I needed some photographs because this is a pretty complicated one with figures. I needed a little bit of a reference to, to get, get it. And my dad had taken some, and I had found this one particular image where, and you can see it in the painting, there's like a very solid locking of arms. And, and, that, and I, as soon as I saw it, I knew that was what I needed to focus on. Like, that that was it. It was this... That really is the center of that's the painting, it. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's the way that, like, the link. It's the strength of one link, how we need every single person to show up in the best that they can um, to, to make the... The evolution succeed whatever that may be and once I saw that image I like that was what I focused on and then everything else supported it I wanted it to capture the diversity of the academy that's really important to me is to um like explore that as well and so I, I, I did like move people around and I tried to make sure that it was encompassing of like who you would see at the academy um and the way we all need each other and a pretty cool ex- display of teamwork it's 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 a pretty cool experience as gross as it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one that really just stands out, and I think it's just because of the color, uh, because it's so strikingly white. Uh, it, 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 just, it just stands out among all of them because it's so different, and it's a self-portrait. Yeah. And I didn't realize that when I, when I initially uh, saw it, you know, because you don't see really the face. You, and yeah. that was intentional, That was right? intentional, yeah. Tell, tell, tell me why you don't, you didn't use your face or uh, the face of another midshipman in in that portrait, because there and and, yeah. and you got to describe it for for our listeners. Uh, these aren't the service dress blues. These are, this is the midshipman white uniform. Uh, yeah, you know, not your your standard. This is the dress uniform that yeah. you will graduate in. Yes, I was in the in the in the painting. It's a self portrait. I'm I the the. the the figure the person is looking over her shoulder and it's cut off about at the nose I didn't want it to be about me um and initially when I was doing these paintings my intention was to leave my narrative out of it because I didn't want it to be my story like it was everyone's story and I wanted us to find common ground over these shared experiences like that's my goal that's the whole purpose but then I started to realize it was impossible to leave my my own perspective out of it I had to like I had to include it in some ways and 
what I hope would happen is that by me including a few of my own, it invites the viewer, if they happen to have these memories as well, to do the same. And so by offering a little bit of that intimacy, that it would be an opportunity for them to open up and to maybe dig up some old stories they haven't thought of in a long time, say if it's a grad. Um, And and again, the self-portrait was another one that I had not planned on doing, and it kind of just overcame me one day. Um, That's what I think a studio practice is. It's showing up as much as you can, whether you're inspired or not. And every so often, the inspiration does come, and you're there for it. And so that was one of those paintings that came. I just kind of came from my fingertips. I I did have a reference image. I, I wanted to get it. And it's, it was, a, it was a, a portrait of who I was on commissioning day. And I used the ribbons that I would have worn, um, my academy ring. I had my engagement rings. I was about to get married. And I, I think that everyone can relate to a flavor of that, of that feeling. I, I was about to leave a place that I was very much ready to leave. Like, I think everyone is ready to leave when it's time to go. Um, but I was, I was excited, but also pretty apprehensive of what was to come. You know, within a matter of weeks, I'd be marrying my classmate, who's still my husband. Um, I'd be reporting to my first ship, which was a pretty, like, another huge threshold moment, of course. Like, that was, like, that's one of the ones that stands out in my mind of we can do hard things. If, if Ensign Kristen could show up to her ship the first day and, and do it, then, you know, that's, that's one of those things. Um, and, and I think, and I look back and I unpacked why I felt the urge to paint it and, it was a couple of things. It was first to thank the women of whose shoulders I've stood on. I, I recognize that my experience was pretty good and that it's because of people who paved the way for me. And I'm very grateful. Um, and I hope that that continues. Um, and then it was also to retroactively accept the person who didn't have everything figured out. Like there was a lot of questions. There was this, it's called identity. There is this identity that the military had makes you like you're this this uniform this like this literally uniformed person of of like who they who they want to to be an officer but there's still an individual human underneath that uniform um and I didn't have everything figured out and you have to take that step anyways and I don't think anybody really does ever um have everything figured out and and it's it's, Never. And it's Even more... when you're old like me, Kristen, <laughs> you don't have everything figured out. Yeah. And so it's like, you know what? It's okay. Do it anyways. And, and you'll, you'll figure it out. And it's okay. You know, as a writer, there's sometimes where I have writer's blocking. You just work through it. And do artists also have something called artist block? Absolutely. I, I've had it to, to, with varying degrees. But last summer, I, I've had, I think, my first real artist block where it was probably six or eight weeks where I had no desire to even step in my studio. Um, I didn't know why. I was tired. I was pregnant. That, that certainly contributed to it. But in the past, creativity has been a, like a life spring for me. So I was concerned. And I was in the middle of my master's degree, which was in art. And, and I, um, I, I took some time. Um, I think it's part of the creative process. And I... I, I think that everyone deals with it at, at, at some point in the process. For me, I rested first, and I think that's a pretty important part. To like, it's happening for a reason, and so I, I took some time away. Um, it, it coincided with some travel, which was nice. And I, I actually I came up here for graduation to see a friend graduate, and I had no desire to paint what I was seeing, which was like scary because I was like, "What is going on? I'm not even done with this series." Like. 
I, I was nervous about it. I didn't know what was going on. Um, so, but I, I was like, I'm not going to push myself. I'm just going to, I'm going to take the break I need. And I did. And I, I was in the middle of my MFA in visual art. And so I, luckily we were starting our summer series and I was talking to a professor about it. I was like, oh, I'm not in a good spot. And she goes, I've been there. Um, you've done the right thing, but it's been about a month, month and a half. Like you don't want to take too long. Like you are a working artist. And so she's like, I would encourage you just to, to go back in there every day. And so at first I just walked in the studio, like that was it. <laughs> I just walked in and walked out. And after like two or three days, I was like, okay, like it's okay. I, and then I, I started just doing things that felt good. Um, like I think I started drawing flowers or like making just literally marks on a paper with like a brush and just like enjoying the sensation of pigment on paper and how it interacts. And after like two or three days of that, all of a sudden I was like, okay, like this is fun. I like this. And, and I kind of shed some of the, the pressure that I'd put on myself to complete ideas. And I was working with like so much density with school as well as some of the projects I was working on there. And I was like, I just want to, whatever, one of my professors was like, whatever keeps you making. And if you're drawing pretty flowers and draw pretty flowers and that's what I did and it was great. And then within a couple of weeks, I felt much better and have continued on <laughs> and it's back. So yeah. You know, so many people were affected uh, professionally and personally by the pandemic. You know, I know it was a, a very significant shift in teaching for both teachers and mm -hmm. for students. Did the pandemic affect you at all as, as an artist? Yes, it did. So the pandemic happened as I was in the thick of, of the series that I was hoping to finish, um, that I just finished. And at what I had planned for my year was in the spring of 2020 was to work on a series about the spring of 2020. It was an ironic timing of things. And um, at first, just like everybody, I didn't know which way it was up. We had our small children all of a sudden at home and we were, we were trying to get our bearings straight. But once we got, once we got settled and I was like, okay, I, I knew I needed to paint this. Like that was what I had set aside time to do. I, I couldn't. I was like, I, I don't see how I can do this right now. Like the mids are home. We don't know what's going to happen. Like there, there might be missing graduation. Like that one, I mean, I, I still can't, like, I can't imagine. Like you, you, you have this, this vision in your head for four years of what you're going to get to. And all of a sudden it might be taken from you. And I almost quit. I, I was like, I, I can't do this. Like this is, I can't do this anymore. Um, and then I, I, I did in my head for like a day. I was like, okay, I'm not sure I can do this. And then um, I woke up the next morning and was like, I don't know, I, I have to try. And so I, I shared one of the pieces that I had been working on and just spoke from the heart. I don't remember what it was, but I was just like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just sorry this is happening. And like, because it was right around the time I think they were announcing that graduation would be canceled and it was so confusing. And, and I realized in that moment, it was like coming from a place of empathy. It was the best thing I could do at the time. And all of a sudden, like painting these moments became a way to experience them in a way that the, especially the class of 2020 wasn't getting to. And it was a tricky road to, to, to navigate because I didn't want to be insensitive to what they were going through. Um, but as I started to paint it and share it, it felt right to with a ton of empathy, just be like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And, but this is what we are, what the reality is. And so, um, that ended up like 
it ended up being a really incredible way to connect with that class. I got to talk to a lot of them on social media during that time and just kind of hear what they had to go through. And it was amazing to hear their perspective. Like they were hurting understandably. Um, and I, I just felt so grateful that I got to be a listening ear and empathetic ear during that time. And in some way, you know, give something back to them that was, you know, unfortunately not the experience that they deserved. You know, as an artist, as, as a, I won't say a new artist, you're, you're a young artist. You're at the beginning more or less of your career, I guess, yeah, as, I would as an artist. So. Yeah. yeah. Hope um, so. <laughs> I mean, now you've had artwork here at the museum, so it's exposed to the midshipmen, which I have to say to the, to the listeners, uh, in my 10 years here at the museum off and on between deployments and such, um, I've never seen a collection of artwork or prints resonate as much with the midshipmen. This is the first time I have seen midshipmen go from the classroom up here and stop and really take the time to absorb the the paintings. Uh, and I think that's extraordinary. It's exposed certainly to all the visitors we have, uh, but it also has reached other levels, hasn't it? Uh, you were uh, you had a pretty in- interesting experience yesterday. Yesterday during the day, I was wondering if you could share the, your experience oh with us on that. Um, not, I don't I don't know if many artists have that opportunity. Oh, and I have you to thank. Um, I I just had a, a small exhibition open up at the Pentagon. Um, I still I haven't even digested this emotionally yet. Um, it started with the Secretary of the Navy touring the museum, and he saw my work. Thank you for showing him. Um, So so as a backstory, so he he had come over with his wife uh, sometime between Christmas and New Year's. And uh, I was showing him around. And and he at one point, you know, as the secretary is is authorized to do, he said, hey, do you have anything that you might recommend for, uh, you know, outside my office or inside my office? I said, Mr. Secretary, I have just the thing for you. Let me show you something. And I took him over to the self-portrait and to the Herndon climb. I said, in my opinion, as soon as he saw those, he was like, that's it. That's exactly what I've been looking for. So uh, I'll let you tell the story from here. Um, I mean, that's mind blowing. Um, long story short, that conversation turned in an exhibit. Um, I was there yesterday. He does have a lot of incredible artwork in his office. And for some reason, they had the idea to turn mine into a story. And so there's those two pieces, prints of them. Um, and the most incredible part about that was he he got it. Like, I got to speak with him about him, and and he got what I was trying to say. Like he he was he seems like an incredibly kind and empathetic person as well, which is like so necessary in a leader, especially at that level. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he saw that in the work and that that's what he's like was was like grabbing onto. I was like I feel like so seen, and it was incredible. Um, it, it was one of. Yeah, yeah. the The exhibit is a as a as a couple of paintings and also some artifacts, which is cool to have artifacts. But it, it was about the process itself. I have my palettes in there. I have books that had been like really helpful to me. My sketchbook that's got a lot of the the early work and the plans that I had had made are all up there. Um, and and when I got out of the military, I had I had referenced that I, earlier that I wasn't planning on getting out. I, I thought I was going to stay in, and I, the one thing that I was hard about getting out was the opportunity for impact would be gone. Like I couldn't be a, you know, I wasn't going to be a captain that could possibly make, you know, really good decisions and help and help sailors. And that, that made me sad. But 
one of just one of those things I said, well, maybe one day, at least if I can't be in the office, at least I can have my work be around people who are making big decisions. And so when that happened, I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, never in my wildest dreams did I expect that to be so soon by any means. Um, but just to occupy space in a place where so much impact is happening in the Navy, I it was a dream come true. <laughs> why is it that we do anything you know they you know why do you become an officer why do you go to the naval academy why do you write why do you do art why do you do art why do i do art why well, i had mentioned i had mentioned earlier i knew early on i wanted to tell the story um and i wasn't ready to for one technically i had to develop skills but also i needed to process my own experience first and i the opportunity came at a time when I ended up getting out after having my, my oldest, my daughter, who's now six. At the same time, I, I met a family that was coming in. Um, we connected at a, a plea parent, plea welcome picnic because I like to go to those. And um, we, just, we just like it. We just like the community. And we connected. And, and I'm watching her experience this new experience through the mother's eyes um, while I was processing it. At the time when I was getting out, I had all of a sudden this, this opportunity, this time, and I wanted to start. And I came up with three reasons why, like the framework of why I was doing this. Um, and the first was to connect over the shared experience. The academy is such a unique place because the, the institutional traditions are so thick and deep. And people who, from all walks of life, from many generations, can look at the Herndon climb, maybe. I mean, they change over time, of course, but like have some version of that story. And there is such an opportunity for empathy and for relationship building between maybe people you would never talk to on your own on the street. Like it's because they, you don't think you have anything in common, but you do and you have this shared experience. And I find that exciting. Um, I also wanted to paint it as an opportunity for the grad and even the mid to reflect on their journey. It's important. I think everyone who goes here probably should unpack it at some point. Um, there's good things, there's bad things. Um, and I, and I, I think it's normal to put it in a box for a while and even avoid coming back for a couple of years, if not more, and that's okay. But I think at some point it's important to open up the box and to take a look and like see how it formed you because it's it's arguably very formative years of our lives. We're you know eighteen to twenty two, most of us. If you didn't go, if you weren't prior enlisted, um, and there's a lot of things about me as an adult that were absolutely shaped then. And so I think it's important to understand and to impact and to explore that story. And then the last thing was to humanize the experience for those who haven't lived it. Um, I know, especially for my family, there was just, I couldn't articulate it. I didn't have the words at the time. I was in the middle of it. I was in the thick of the fire and I didn't have the ability to express until years later really what this was. was. And so the process of me unpacking everything one painting at a time and thinking about my own experience helped me distill it into like, phenomenologically like the essence of what this was and and give it a language that I could share with my family or with other families who weren't on the inside but hopefully in a way that they could understand it like 
they've had, you know, they've had trials and experiences and adventures in their life too. And this is this version of it. And how did you feel in that situation? Well, you know, this is your mid is in the middle of this and, or even to inspire future mids the way that Pete Sousa's photographs inspired me. Where can they find your work? Um, I have a website. I have every painting for the most part that I've done um, in a portfolio page. So if you want to like look through in order as I new, make new series, I update it. It's at um, easelonstribling.com. Um, the name is after Stribling Walk, which is the the main walkthrough um, within the yard of the of the Naval Academy. And I chose that name. I knew I wanted to paint this particular experience underneath like a pseudonym of sorts. It's my name. You, you still know it's Kristen, but I, I wanted to have a different name for it because it's, there's so much to dig into. And um, my husband and I, when we were initially starting off, I had him help me because we were like, we got no bad ideas. Let's just throw ideas to the wall. What should this name be? And easel was a given. I was like, I wanted it to be about painting. That's just what I like to do. Um, and then stribbling seemed like the right, the right, into it, easel on stribbling, because um, I wanted it to feel intimate. And if you knew what stribbling walk was, then you instantly knew what the paintings were. Um, but also, hopefully, hopefully, you can invite others to, to come see. But at first, I wanted it to be for this very tight knit community. Um, and so that's where the name came from. And um, that's where you can see all the paintings right now. Well, Kristen, I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you know, I, I really do think that this is an important collection. I'm so gl- grateful that. Uh, we've been able to arrange having them permanently with us. I'm so uh, grateful. <laughs> you know, they, they won't always be on permanent display, but they will. You know, we'll cycle them in. I think we're going to be doing a loan to another museum here next year. Yeah. Uh, for at least some of them. Uh, but I want to thank you. It's it's been great, and I want to wish you well in your continuing career. And I look forward to to what future artwork you you have. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of uh, the Preble Hall Naval History Podcast. And again, I I truly hope that uh, you get a chance to look on our website, usna.edu backslash museum, and look for the 3D tour. Go to the second deck of the museum, and along three walls, you will see Kristen Chronic's work. And if you enjoyed this episode and other episodes, please leave feedback wherever you're listening to this. Have a great day. Preble Hall is in no way intended to reflect the official positions of the Department of the Navy or the Naval Academy.